Resident Evil, colon, Apocalypse, released September 10th, 2004. We return back to the twisted minds of Paul W.S. Anderson and Mila Jovovich here on this podcast. The dynamic duo, the unstoppable combo. Yes. I'm Del Avento. I'm uh, Jill, the master of unlocking, Nick Nundall. <laughs> and I'm your resident Capcom Games expert back again, Alex yeah. Damrath. <laughs> and this is Attract Mode. Uh, Nick, I think you might have used that same Master of Unlocking <laughs> joke the last time. It, you know what? It sucks because I almost certainly did. <laughs> I, I, uh, it's a good joke. I didn't do it consciously at all, but it is so like, that's where my mind goes, and so therefore I would. And I'm yeah. your Jill Sandwich, Nick Dundall. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Oh, man. The problem is Dang. those are like the only two lines anyone remembers from Resident yeah. Evil games. Yeah. <laughs> What about um? No, I got nothing. Yeah, nothing. see, I mean, there's, like there's, there's exactly there's boulder punching bastard, but that's we've we've covered that <laughs> yeah, extensively. Yeah, that's, a, that's too. a new one. Um, is good though. That is good. Uh, man, Resident Evil does not deserve this. <laughs> is I my mean, first Capcom, thought. Capcom signs off on these movies, so I feel like it deserves it explicitly because they agree to making these terrible films over and over again or had in the past uh yeah uh uh, uh, nick throwing it to you what did you think oh well it's so funny that paul ws anderson is like this self-described super fan and he is so close to capcom we've talked about how he like visited them and you know uh really worked with them on on monster hunter and stuff too like he's if he loves this franchise as he claims to truly love it then why how does he create <laughs> yeah <laughs> how does he create this as the end result of that love like this <laughs> i genuinely was getting flashbacks of and granted he didn't direct this movie as we we you know discovered as we were watching the end credits and realized um but he, he he wrote the script and signed off on this as a producer right so like he agreed that this was the movie to put out for the sequel to his his baby of the first one and it's it's just a mess <laughs> like it it took me back to house of the dead that we just watched in so many ways in all of the worst ones yes i it, it, it's shocking how much this feels like that house of the dead movie like this is to house of the dead what that first one kind of is to the doom annihilation movie we saw like they share a lot in common with both those yeah. other other movies like yes. the first one a lot of corridor that- shooting a lot of like underground facility weird sci-fi this one very plotting 
plot, very uh, just terrible, terrible shots, just everywhere, yeah. just everywhere. Lots of heavy guitar, new metal, like shitty, like is it this hardcore? Uh, <laughs> yeah, the worst thing that ever came out of early aughts filmmaking, which is just like cutting every time someone gets hit, so oh that you can't God. tell what's happening in a fight sequence. But they they made it worse because they not only cut on every hit in this movie, but they also do this like weird slow down speed up thing. And anytime it's supposed to be slowed down, they blur and like cut out frames. So it's genuinely nauseating to watch this movie. I think this oh, yeah. is maybe visually the worst movie of our entire podcast thus far. That's Out of a big ones claim. I've seen, I have to agree, which is which is a high bar that keeps getting higher. Yeah, <laughs> so it's impressive that we keep surpassing it. Yeah. yeah, and and I suggested that the limited frame shots blur might have been a stylistic choice. Nick, you suggested it might have been in a way uh, to hiding, cover up. Yeah. yeah bad special effects costuming and special effects i don't know which i mean i honestly don't because when i think back to that time frame there were a lot of music videos that did that kind of low frame blur thing as well and someone thought that was stylistically cool at the time i'm sure um if you're not familiar with what we're describing imagine blurry shots of things in motion done with like a bad digital camera uh put in like a powerpoint slideshow (laughs) uh, with I don't know. I think like the a second between each one. Yeah. When we say blur, we don't mean like a Gaussian blur. We mean like a a, a smear frame yes. with everything. That yeah. that that everything isn't isn't crisp. They're intentionally like they're kind of onion skinning it, right? Where like you can see an artifact of the previous frame, the next frame to give this yeah. kind of almost dreamlike effect. It is disgusting. It's so funny how they use it too, because like I I could almost see using it if you were having like, oh, this fight is stunning you, right? Like you're getting like rocked and knocked around and that kind of thing. But they used it just anytime we cut to zombies running down a uh like alleyway or something like that. Yeah. And and the zombies don't really run, they kind of stagger. So it's not fast paced motion. It's not a a like stunning shot or anything. It's just it's just isn't this weird and therefore you're heightened i don't know fear or whatever you're getting out of it like it's so distracting and so like you said nauseating alex like just and, not pleasant and most of them most of those shots are done at like eye level right like street level yeah. from a human's point of view and then they do a wide shot with it and it's <laughs> yeah. just it, it it broke my brain right because like you know film is all about building up like logical sequences and putting forth expectations and breaking those expectations in ways that you would find pleasing but in in this in this example they broke expectations in like the worst possible way it's like ah but what if we did this terrible uh film effect in this way instead it's like oh like i like i felt repulsed like actually nauseated by it it's like whoever was in the editing bay just had like a button to turn that on or off and they just went (laughs) willy-nilly with it like (laughs) they're like let's just see what it looks like here yeah throw it in the movie i i i think i'm on nick's side in that uh it seems like a band-aid for some of like the worst shots in the film or like stuff where they realized uh this looks really bad if you can tell what's happening i wouldn't doubt it it looks so bad so many times and it looks so bad with the effect 
that that's the only reason I think there is some credibility to the other side of the argument because they clearly weren't fixing this movie by doing this, but it's, it's so weird. So this movie carries on the fine tradition of Paul W S Anderson, uh, completely nixing anything that would resemble what happens in the original resident evil games and going along with his wacky fan fiction version of why, why does he do that? Why? Because I, so I have a feeling that with how big of a nerd, and this is why nerds shouldn't be allowed to do anything, right? Um, <laughs> like with how okay. big of a All nerd right. he is, he's just trying to cram everything that he thinks is cool, yes, into one movie. It's like you were saying he's trying to make an anime. Um, he's trying to make like an action, a badass Matrix movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he's trying to throw in like some psychic powers there at the end. Spoiler alert. Yeah, new metal music videos. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, let's throw some Linkin Park in there. That's cool. Some Metallica. Um, and, and it's it's just, it, it all creates this awful early aughts, edgy teenager stew. Yeah. That I, um, I think we said on the first Resident Evil movie that he has this impulse control, or maybe it was on the first monster. I don't remember when we said it, but. He has the impulse control of like a 12-year-old boy. Everything in these movies is me when I was 12 was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I would have loved it. Uh but but he he is a grown man who is making these films and has no control. And I want stripper zombies walking out onto the streets <laughs> yeah. with like their tits out yeah. and like have the black guy run up and like cat call him in his Cadillac. And it's just like, you know, like th- I Every saw that trope. on MTV once. And it's- it, it is, it is p- pick your poison. It is either Zack Snyder or Michael Bay style of movie making. Right. It is like, but even whatever, Zack Snyder has more skill and a sense of awareness about themselves. Like Michael Bay and Zack Snyder can get away with it in, in places. This never gets away with it. Sure, sure. Like I'm not saying he's on the same caliber uh, as those sure, as sure. those movie makers, but I am saying it comes from the same kind of yes, id. Just right. Like, yes, exactly. Boyish id. The punchline is whip. the machismo. Yeah, with a with a too large of a budget behind it. Yeah, right. Um, or, or in some cases, not enough. I, <laughs> well, I don't know. Let's talk about the fact you're talking about like cramming everything he can in this movie. We've got like 50 characters in this movie. And only most one of, of them which is are from just the games. There. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one Sorry, from I guess two not... if you count the nemesis. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But Jill Valentine is in this game, or in this movie, not really represented very much like the Jill of the game, though, which, I mean, you could argue there's Outside not a lot of, of characterization. Costume, I guess. Is that true? Yeah. I, I know nothing yeah. about these characters, so you could tell me anything. There's not Jill much Valentine. to know that I would say, at least from my memory, and I'm not the expert, you know, Alex is. <laughs> Unlike someone. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I would say she feels like only the character in costume and name, right? Like, Right. Um, I mean, and the fact that she's, like, capable of handling herself around zombies. Yeah. Yeah. That that's that's kind of it. Everyone else is is brand new added to the movie because uh, Paul thought, why not? Uh, this would be funny. What if we had Dane Cook too, the sequel to Dane Cook, show up <laughs> and uh, start shooting zombies? What if we had? But looking a little bit like, looking a little bit like Chris Redfield to the point where we all thought, mm, is he Chris Redfield? Until he turned around because I don't even remember them ever saying his name in the whole movie. 
the black guy calls him around. Elvis, and I think at one point he wears a jack that's like Valentino or or Esposito gotta, or something. Uh, we gotta cut calling that guy black guy. <laughs> like as, I don't know what as he is. his character name they is didn't not give great. Him a name they didn't name I, him. Yes, I I think the movie did a terrible <laughs> job of either naming characters or presenting character names. I don't know if they don't have names honestly in the script for all that matters. Uh, but we gotta Sorry. find some better. I, I got. I got. He, he is Br- LJ. Yes, I he looked it up. Oh, he does. Say. LJ. Yeah. And then the uh, Chris Redfield lookalike is Carlos Oliveira. Thank you. Um, yeah. Which yes, we don't know who he is. I think they say his name like once or twice near the end of the film, but he does like sure. turn around because he is a a, a hunk style uh 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 resident evil i mean uh umbrella corporation operative uh in in the fatigues and some form and, of goon yeah um and he turns around and he has his name emblazoned on his on his uniform right his his opening scene is jumping out of a heli repelling off of a helicopter shooting a bunch of zombies at, perfectly accurately in the head with double pistols while yeah. repelling off of a helicopter uh, tried All to save to a woman save a that woman. has clearly been bitten, uh, who honestly uh, does the much more thoughtful thing in that moment and just jumps off the building. She's like, there is no cure. Yeah. <laughs> we should uh, talk a little bit about the kind of greater setup of this movie where the last movie ends on a cliffhanger, right? Where Alice, Mila Jovovich's character, wakes up at Raccoon City General Hospital she walks outside and the entire city is like overrun. It's, you know, it looks like it's an apocalypse. Um, you know, you've cars turned over and everything. This movie starts a little bit before that where, so it's after the first movie where they have recovered her from the mansion, but it has been before an outbreak happens in yeah, Raccoon get city. A little lead up to that end credit scene or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. And they, yeah. So the 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 genius, the eggheads over in Umbrella Corporation decide to go back into the mansion, into the hive, the base underneath the mansion, and try to like investigate what happened. And we get this guy with his fucking wrist PDA uh, with a bar <laughs> that says level of infection, and it just keeps rising and rising until a yeah. bunch of zombies. What? Yeah, it's got what the wild monitoring. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Oh my god! Particles in the air. I guess. I guess you can just. And then the zombies carry those particles with them because what was he reading that had the low level of infection before all the zombies came in the room? They and weren't said, close oh, enough to high. the entrance. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a shitty device. <laughs> if you can see zombies before it tells you the infection level is high, then you've got a problem. It's like that badge you wear when you go visit Chernobyl that like turns different colors depending on how irradiated it gets. Yeah. And, like if it turns a certain color, they're like, stay as long as you like. You're dead. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Stay forever. I I have so many questions. Like, I mean, we all in this note Umbrella is a disaster of a of an organization, but Oh yeah. It's it, like Jurassic Park or whatever in this world. Yeah. Just keeps making the same mistakes over and over again. Keeps dooming the earth for whatever reason. You know that the hive was lost. You know that these two people came out of the hive, one of which has like spikes growing out of his arm because of a mutation happening within him. And yet you're still like, I wonder if the infection level's high in there. Let me put my meter up. <laughs> like you're still unsure. 
and you ask no questions. You don't ask the two people who just came out of there, hey, what happened down there? You say, we're going to send in a team and put you guys in a medical facility uh, and dose you up so that we can't even talk to you. Well, they have to enter him into the Nemesis Project, Nick. You right. I, I feel it makes more sense for the guy who is literally transmogrifying before them. But uh, Mila Jovovich's character, Alice, she they could have an interview with her, a debrief of some kind, you know, like put her in a, a room with a steel table and one light hanging overhead and be like, what happened down there? Yeah. You know? I need answers. Slamming fist on table. Y- it, yeah. But they don't do any of that. They open up the door like dummies. And, and cause an entire city to get infected right which is like literally what caused the problem at the beginning of the first movie right because they like yeah well it, it didn't cause the problem but they they sent a tactical team into the mansion to try to resolve things and it didn't work the first time so yeah. what made them think it was going to work the second time yeah They're really bad at their jobs yet yet they they own a major multinational pharmaceutical company mm-hmm. and telecommunications. There's like Utel or whatever it's called, which is like their phone service yep. and laptops and software and all this other shit. Well, they don't own the laptops well, because we the know. The laptops are owned oh, by yes. Sony. Sony, Sony Vio yes. laptops, yeah. <laughs> please, for please. sure. With, with uh, <laughs> Umbrella OS right. installed yes, on it. Correct. Umbrella Corp, yeah, brought do to have you by OS. Sony. <laughs> <laughs> There's a business Someone's, partnership there. Someone's going to unironically like copy the Umbrella Corporation branding for a real life company yeah. and not yeah. be able to. We do everything. We're Umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. No hint of irony we've, to any Umbrella. Of it. We've got you covered. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> it's like that. What is the destruction tornado? Do you all, you all know that tweet? Destruction tornado. There's like a. <laughs> someone I, I i don't think it's called something tornado but it's like we've created the destruction tornado from the famous short story quote do not create the destruction tornado right and <laughs> the, the author's like quoted about? as saying like i created don't create the destruction tornado as a cautionary tale <laughs> incredible that's news to me but also not a surprise i guess <laughs> Um, to touch on some highlights in these first opening acts, uh, we have Jill Valentine barging into a police precinct, gun drawn, firing at zombies inside of the police office, like the, the police station, uh, stopped by nobody. Uh, nobody sees this only, woman. Only yelled at by her boss, who's like, God yeah. damn it, who fired a gun in here? <laughs> yeah. And she's, she's like, I told you they're infected. You have to aim for the head. Which is... A, how did you know that? B, yes. like, like she's the first person to ever get any sense of like what's actually happening here, um, even while these people are hanging out in the police precinct, being zombies, trying to bite people. Well, it's such uh, a ridiculous like the police bullpen situation is so silly because they're literally like handcuffed zombies everywhere and they're like wrestling with them. Like, I don't know why this guy won't get in his cell. He's real yeah. fighting real hard <laughs> <laughs> until she comes in and shoots like six zombies that they've had. Like, the so exact anyway, I same. start blasting, <laughs> like just takes yeah. out a bunch of them uh, and then just shoots the handcuffs off of one guy who's sitting in his chair, who turns out to be LJ. This like supports this theory we had um, throughout the end of the movie. We're, we're pretty sure he was like a secret agent undercover yeah but maybe got written out later to not be i don't know well they just don't take time and care for any backstory or anything so we don't know right 
it's just he's he's ever present and he's set up for most of the movie as a comical character yeah a bumbling comic relief guy he's he's the the black comic relief yes um very tokenized yeah it's i mean it's it's definitely a black man that's written by a white man and that's you know i I think that's all we three white men need to say about it (laughs) i i I want to ask this to you guys did the rest of this like opening act like like the first the first act of this movie is it still like a blur to everyone else this whole movie is a blur to me also i thought you just said did the breast of this opening act uh, which is a segue to the release of mila jovovich's character uh but no yeah i mean i i honestly trying to organize this in my mind it was edited in these like very tight nonsensical chunks that I can't piece together a timeline that makes sense. Um, but essentially they're just like, here's a character, here's a character, here's a character. They're all badasses or bumbling comic buffoon who make it through by the skin of their teeth. Yeah. Or scientist who is presumably important to umbrella because they show up with black vans at his house and say, we're getting you out of here. Um, and he's like, I got to get my daughter. And they say, don't worry, she's taken care of too. So the scientist What's the actor's name, Dylan? Uh, Jared Harris. He is playing a scientist who essentially developed the the first T-virus. Um, and then his daughter, I thought, was supposed to be like the human representation of the Red Queen from the first movie. But I also can't remember, was the human representation of the Red Queen in the first movie supposed to be dead? Uh, like, yeah, I felt like the programmer uh, like gave his daughter I, immortality through AI. I looked it up online. Ashley Ashford is completely unique to this movie and never turns okay. up again. Okay. So wow. So the scene of her not, like popping up in the back of the car, like is basically nothing. right before the credits is absolutely nothing. Okay. It was, it was just I'm sorry. Like, did you say Ashley Ashford? Cause it is Angie Ashford. Sorry. You're right. It is Angela Angie, Ashford. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, I thought that was going to be a reveal that didn't, but then we get after all of these characters. Oh, and, and our news reporter as well is also introduced right. in this opening. It was we, not Ada Wong as I had suspected from the, from the yeah. get go. We do end up getting, um, finally caught up to the end of the first movie where Mila Jovovich wakes up in a lab because seemingly, uh, this scientist, uh, has woken her up to save his daughter after his daughter's exit from the city is delayed when a (laughs) random completely unrelated event happens a like cement truck destroys her evacuation vehicle um so this like nine-year-old girl is picked up by one like government agent uh or umbrella agent i guess uh cement truck just plows into the side of the vehicle (laughs) well i mean as best as i could uh given (laughs) the movie um so with her with her lost in the city uh super hacker scientist decides to hack into cctv where he can do a personnel search of any umbrella personnel person in the city and track them his daughter presumably has whatever trackers are necessary for that to happen and finds out she's at the school so the initial conceit of the movie is our our cast that we've talked about thus far are all trapped in raccoon city because umbrella is guarding you know they've 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 fully sealed off escape from the city at this point and they all want out this guy 
over the course of the film ends up contacting them to offer them all a way out if they save his daughter. But the movie doesn't get to that point in a concise way. Like you can see that set up from the beginning, but it doesn't directly say that's the deal here until we're like, I don't know, an hour in and every character has had like crazy badass fights with monsters and, you know, gotten to prove how cool they are in the worst filmed action sequences known to man. You gotta you gotta <laughs> you gotta tease these things out, Nick. You gotta you gotta <laughs> reel you yeah. gotta reel the audience in. The with plot your of intrigue. your movie should definitely not begin until an hour and five minutes. That's that's when right. you really start. You, you need an exacerbably long fight scene inside of a church that <laughs> yeah. takes way too long to get started and then takes way too long to conclude, which is Probably the next big set piece in the movie, yes. right? Because yeah. not only do we have this kind of thread connecting everything together that's eventually going to lead our, all of our characters mm. together because they start separate. You have you have LJ, you have Jill Valentine, you have the reporter on one side. Uh, you also have Jill Valentine's cop buddy. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. sure about that character's name. Uh, no. Sergeant, Sergeant Payton. Uh, and then on the other hand, on the other side, you have all of the umbrella. Oliviera, Nikolai, and a third guy who dies in his first scene. So it doesn't matter. A bunch of dudes that are doing terrible Eastern European accents. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, man, I, that Sergeant Payton, you just reminded me was in this movie because he dies <laughs> so early on. I had completely forgotten about him. I also almost completely forgot about the church scene, which is so tacked on and unnecessary there's so many but things also in this so movie. long but also yeah. so long so very yeah. very long uh god mila jovovich drives a motorcycle through a stained glass window <laughs> crashes it into a monster that somehow causes the monster to shoot up into the air where she shoots the motorcycle's gas tank exploding it and the monster and i don't give a shit yeah. I don't care yeah. about yeah. this. What a way to nail like that description of all of that happens and still it fucking sucks. <laughs> like, yeah, like it, it does nothing for me. It's it's just the most boring movie with the most boring action sequences and nobody matters and well, I am wasting my life watching it. <laughs> also that <laughs> Well also that set piece happens like ten minutes into that one scene so any interest that one could possibly have in the in the sequencing of that scene has fully kind of left my body it's evaporated by the time the red-haired dude who can't get his accent right is like running away for some reason and then Uh, dies yeah like we there was some interest when we had the priest who was like keeping his sister chained up because she was zombified but he wanted to keep her alive uh and it was like oh hey this is i did forget about that fascinating scene i guess and then they just kind of leave him to die and don't really address it ever again yeah um, i mean there's no drama to it right it's like that 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 that's a interesting morsel of an idea but there's no because he keeps plucking interesting things from other franchises and other stories and thinking oh this would be cool this would be cool let's throw that in there let's throw and it's just yeah it, it comes out a gray mess and it's like set up immediately followed by payoff right like Oh, the priest is—he thinks this is a religious event, and he has a a zombie in the room. 
how is this going to impact our story? Don't worry. It's not the zombie immediately gets free and bites him. Like there is no time to spend on a thing, but there is for some reason, 10 minutes to walk around this church where a monster we saw in the previous movie is stalking them and we're not allowed to see it. We have to have these like, you know, like this, this predator scene where it's like, it's hunting them, but we don't get to get a good look at it. And then when we do, finally get a moment of looking at it 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 like the use of the red-haired guy who got scared there's this like british you know just somebody anybody doesn't have a name who uh ran off on his own you see the tongue come up and like curl around his neck because it's the the liquors from the previous movie and games um and and you like so you know what this thing is you already knew what it was coming into this but um I thought the tongue was like a decent effect, you know? And I was like, okay, here we go. Here we go. Here's going to be like the first, like real good kill of the movie. They spent so much time building it up. And then what happens instead of delivering on what they've been finally stretching out some buildup for is he sees the tongue screams turns and we get this fucking awful, awful CG representation of the monster's face that launches straight at the camera in like, a two frame animation essentially to just be like, now the camera's darkness and that's it. That's the whole scene. This is a horror movie rated R why. And then that's like the theme throughout the movie is like every kill is as tame and as quickly cut and just lifeless kills being lifeless is ironic, but is is like, (laughs) it's so unsatisfying, right? You, you want, in a horror movie that tension build up and then the relief of, Oh God, something, you know, it wasn't anything scary at all, or it was something scary, but now that character's dead and we don't have to worry about it. Um, but also maybe a laugh at like, you know, the gore or something like there's, there's these pieces that you want in a horror movie that this movie can't get right at every turn. It's either too much build up, no delivery or no build up and a poor delivery anyway. Like I, well, I because I think at its core, it's not a horror movie. It is an, it's an action, action movie, movie. Yeah. and it's but it's not a good action movie. No, it's not. But it does have an it's R just rating. Not a good movie. We, so, we should be clear on that. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be it'd be bad at any uh, any tier. It's bad at its comedy. It's bad at its action. It's bad at its horror. It could. It decided to use its R rating on nudity and profanity, which I can't remember if the first one was R rated or not. There was definitely I think not it this must much... have been with the laser eyeball and stuff like sure but if it was it was it was like the softest R whereas this one's sure, like sure. we have an R we're going to drop as many f bombs as we can to justify that R rating yeah it's twelve year olds R <laughs> I, I I wanted to touch on just because it falls into what Nick was saying and, and it helps speed things along like the setup to payoff being so short as soon as we learn that um. Oh God! What's his name? Uh, Peyton, Sergeant Peyton. Like as soon as Mila's character learns that Peyton has been bitten, and there's this whole drama of like, how are we gonna get him out of the city with his with his bitten leg when Mila just like wants to kill him now, but uh, Jill wants to save him. Uh, and then like two scenes later, he's just like mowed not down even, by the nemesis. Not even two scenes later, it's like immediate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's we do a cutaway, so you can call it two scenes if we say we cut away for Nemesis to introduce him right. more fully. 
which is literally just the Terminator. Like, right. He is, he is Paul Dewey Anderson was like, I really want to make a Terminator and I can do it in this movie. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, and, and, and you think we mean, Oh, he is this very big hulking figure. That's very strong and basically bulletproof. Like that's what you mean. When you compare it to a Terminator, right? No, yeah. he literally has Terminator vision, <laughs> Terminator vision, the scanning. And he does the thing where he like only shoots the people he's like commanded to shoot in a crowd yeah. with pinpoint accuracy with a chain gun right a weapon that is notoriously like you know wild damage right it's gonna fly everywhere right like you don't have that accuracy unless you are a robot which is essentially what they're doing they're doing this bioweapon robot thing um but so we introduce that and then we come back to peyton and immediately the nemesis kills peyton because he's been ordered to kill all stars members which why okay all right let's let, i i'm sorry this might get too in the weeds about like resident <laughs> evil lore which no one gives a shit about sorry alex sure uh, yeah. but no it's fine it's true it's, even i don't give a shit and i love resident I, evil i'm happy <laughs> to answer this though i know the why, answer why because i've never played three so this movie basically is like loosely i mean it's it's the setting of of resident evil three but like why does nemesis want to kill the stars people two reasons in this movie one is because the guy who created Nemesis is just playing with his toys, right? He's like, look how cool my fucking awesome Terminator is. Number two is that he wants control of everything that's happening in Raccoon City right now. It is a testing ground for his bioweapons. It is that he doesn't want people in the way when he's trying to take out Mila Jovovich or capture her or whatever he ends up ultimately deciding. And stars is as they say in the movie the best right like they are the top operatives so if his toy can beat them number one he's better than them and number two they're not in the way to interrupt his control of the situation so the weirdly logic tracks for this one thing in the movie yeah. <laughs> did, did we talk much about that guy this this other umbrella no. corporation exec we, we right. haven't really talked about him too, too many brief, characters in this movie too many characters briefly summarize this guy this is like bluetooth headset wearing uh <laughs> yes. three-piece suit kind of you know your typical like power loudly broker. closing deals in the line at starbucks right guy. exactly yeah. uh and he is basically the person he's the head honcho of this whole raccoon city operation on the umbrella side. He's the one that makes the decision to close the city down and prevent anyone from leaving. He's the one that unlocks nemesis and also uh, Alice at the, at the beginning of the movie and lets them loose. And so he's basically the one that's, I don't know if the movie ever tries to communicate that he's supposed to be like the CEO or the highest, level person but he's, he's definitely just someone like high up certainly. some c-suite motherfucker yeah <laughs> i mean i think the certainly the implication is he is on top of a bioweapons program ladder somewhere right like he may not be the top rung but he's way up there enough that he's making all the he's making all the calls here in raccoon city right um so yeah so nemesis shows up kills peyton uh we then have jill um Alice and not Ada Wong are the people left standing in that group. Not Ada Wong. I don't Wong. think we need to necessarily track each individual. <laughs> no, like, no, no. I'm just saying, well, I mean, they member. do split up. Like Alice goes and fights Nemesis and the other yeah. two run off. Um, yeah. And they end up in the school. Um, and we don't, as an audience, I think ever get a good reason why. Like we know, we. I'm sorry, not ever get. We do eventually get there. 
but I don't remember a scene happening that transfers that information to them. There is there is one with Alice's group, Mila Jovovich's group, where she gets a phone call on like a payphone because Jared Harris's character can access, you know, all the telecommunications in the city. And so he rings them up and says, hey, you want to get out of the city? Go do this thing for me. This thing being go get my daughter. And then he later hacks into like a cell phone and a mobile phone store. Jared Harris here playing the least fuckable hackerman of, of <laughs> all all film. So anyway, uh, the this all uh, ends up running into the the school shooting scene. Oh, that's, ter- <laughs> that's a that's a terrible turn of phrase <laughs> that, that we all uh, <laughs> thought was going to happen, but didn't. <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, there was not a school shooting. Are we keeping that? In? <laughs> I mean, uh, the only person that's going to get canceled is Alex. So yeah, probably. Oh God. I, there, there were a bunch of zombie children. Is yes. is what we what we saw and what we thought was going to happen, where they were going to like rush it and have to like blast Fight all these the kids. Zombie children. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, um, which it's kind of weird. The movie would show a bunch of zombie children and then not deliver on that. I almost wonder, like, I would love to know, did they like, film something with the zombie close children? How did they get to that? Y- yeah. Yeah, like, yes, exactly. Like, like, did Postal... Was it in the script? Did they get wind of Postal doing this first? And oh, we're no. like, oh, no, we can't do that. I mean, Postal is years later. Postal is 2007, if you're talking oh, about the well, movie. I don't know then. Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah. I, 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 so I, I don't know. School shootings were definitely a thing to, be, to avoid, right? So it would have gone sure. over poorly even when this movie came out. And um, do you think Paul wrote it in any way to be edgy? And then I the wonder. More I really people do. were just like, no. I bet. I bet that, Capcom or uh, whoever somebody the called film studio yeah, was that far. Yeah, shot it down. Uh, because there are there is just like a classroom full of zombie children. This is how the reporter lady dies. Um, yeah, she goes filming in the school and then just gets eaten by a horde of, of zombie kids. Yeah, because they're looking for the daughter jared harris's right. character's daughter at this becomes point crawling and, out of that classroom uh and and just like telling everyone else like you can't help her now i've seen what they do yeah just perfect good Which, job child I, <laughs> like, <laughs> we've we come to find out that she has carried the infection but is not obviously turning into a zombie because her father developed not only the T virus, but uh, to to prevent her from losing the ability to walk, because she has the same disease he does. Right. Um, but uh, so, Last of Us is a ripoff of Resident Evil Apocalypse. Uh, that's what we've learned. Yeah, good, good to know. Uh, I, yeah. I guess so. I don't know Last of Us <laughs> yet, but um, oh, well. or at least not that piece of it anyway. Coming to HBO. Uh, yeah, I'll get it then <laughs> <laughs> with Pedro Pascal. Um, but. Uh, so the point being is, I wonder if the the children just didn't attack her because she's carrying so much of the, you know, the virus inside her that they register as non non meat or what. I guess but that's she, what happened. Yeah. 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 Um, they get attacked by more zombie dogs who look a little better than they did in the last one, but not really. Um, yeah. So well, I think a mix of better and worse and the same, right? Like yeah. some of them are just splashed with red dye. Some of them look a little bit like there's actually like parts of them missing and the CG looks okay. And then we get one one zombie dog that is like, I guess it's supposed to be down to almost skeletal. 
and it, it's the worst effect uh, for any it's of the really CG bad in the film. CG. Yeah, so uh, a mixed bag, real mixed bag here. Mila can't stop herself from coming up with the most effective way to kill dogs and That's... blows up the entire room that they oh, are okay. in. Okay, okay. Well, Jill came up with the way, and Jill smacked the dog with a big frying pan. True, uh, true. Jill joined in on the dog murder. Um, and then Mila finished off the plan Yeah, with yeah, a cigarette. Yeah. Uh, which we, we thought was hilarious because like did that mean she was just waiting outside of that room smoking yeah. for them While to show were... like didn't bother to run in and help yeah <laughs> like there's no setup to her being there she just is there and when they run out after having turned on all of the gas stoves Mila's just like oh okay and like flicks the cigarette in there yeah. um honestly if she just like is looked cool. at them if she just looked at them and was like wait a minute the what the gas was on like that yeah, would have been she had any surprise and not just i'm the coolest character forever yeah right yeah yeah because there i mean that would have been there's another there there's another scene later on that kind of has that level of like how would she know to do that yes and the right. well i mean this is this is the second of those scenes because driving into the church sure yeah how does she know first... where they are and why is she come <laughs> like why does she even care about saving these civilians like she's they a have badass no... psychic super soldier apparently now um it's it's resident evil like these movies don't give a shit anymore and it's all about mila jovovich being the craziest mary sue protagonist she can possibly be yes i mean i think that's what they, it was from the first movie and this movie and it's what Paul Davis Anderson has built his career on and Mila Jovovich's career on. It's right. It's it's what he wanted was to see his hot wife doing shit. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. And I can't blame him like that's cool. Um, but but uh, we, we don't have to suffer through that. <laughs> well, we do because we chose to on this podcast. Right. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the point of these scenes is to converge everyone and get. So now Alice is with uh, Mila Jovovich and Jill and Oliviera is here, but his buddy Nikolai has died since uh, by getting eaten by dogs. Um, and Which is great. Yeah. <laughs> Just that, that bit of him like coming in to rescue Jill that, that and moment. being like, I'm your knight in shining armor, kind of. And whatever like bad European accent he's trying to emulate in that particular scene. It's, it's it definitely keeps Russian, but it's not a great Russian accent. But but it like changes to Scottish and, and like English like <laughs> periodically. And I looked it up and he's Canadian. So like the only thing he's conceivably yeah. good at is French. Yeah. And and he doesn't do any French in this. It, it's so bizarre. Anyway, he's like, "Hey, what's up? I'm saving your life." And then it like blindsided by a dog from off screen. Yeah, it's it, it's so perfectly like it's bad, but it's also hilarious in a genuine way. That definitely I, was meant to be scary, and so isn't <laughs> yeah. that it, it comes across as hilarious. Yeah, that's true. Um, and what's really funny is he's like possibly going to get out of being killed by this one dog and then a second dog jumps on him like a scene later it's great uh well at the same time because yeah right right he's he's confident (laughs) enough he's like he's like you go on i'll handle this bitch and then the second one shows up he's like ah shit i couldn't i couldn't have possibly have predicted two zombie dogs (laughs) (laughs) so the remaining characters uh manage a phone call with uh angie's dad the little girl's dad and he tells them that there is a helicopter in a certain building it is lightly guarded he says uh but they should be able to get to it earlier in the movie oliviera was bitten and has been able to hold on to himself for a surprisingly long amount of time 
but the um the girl alice with her t-virus injection and cure also carries a cure with her in her lunchbox at all times a lunchbox which is so stuffed with t-virus cure that would literally never hold anything else (laughs) and it opens from the side so if anyone ever did open it from the top lid it would just be a flat surface under the opening Um, this is just my EpiPen. my dad makes me carry them around with me (laughs) it's it's so crazy that like what were they thinking they were hiding in her lunchbox by doing it this way but she she carries the cure to school instead of you know this multinational giant megacorp like putting her up in school in the hive or something right like like they could have controlled her whole life in a protected way if they're concerned she might i don't know need the cure because the virus is constantly attacking her body and she could become an infection point for all people at some moment it's done um, her social growth nick come on <laughs> yeah, yeah you're right yeah forget the lives of everyone in raccoon city yeah um and prevent but, her from experiencing being bullied by all of her peers <laughs> yeah. and then biting one in retaliation and spreading the virus anyways she cures oliviera and she also we have a reveal that not only is she deeply infected but so is uh alice from our first movie right she's she's carrying and we i mean it's not really a reveal because we saw her like skin literally crawling earlier in the movie um the, but this sorry i just had a thought this is absolutely the coolest movie written by a 13 year old i've ever seen (laughs) (laughs) alex has come around on it um so everybody together goes to the helicopter pad um they successfully break oh and, and we do have the the slight hint that lj at least knows oliviera he calls him elvis as if it's like a nickname right uh, not not just as although he also calls the scientist dr doom as a nickname so you get the sense that he is just a guy who throws around nicknames but but yeah. he says it in a like way that's Dave like oh, oh you're here too like you know it, it, it comes off like they definitely have a backstory together right um so maybe he is secret agent there but um they all they all go to the helicopter pad they all do a thing that is relevant to their skill sets mila jovovich kills a sniper and then repels down the side of a building building by running at full speed downwards where her feet aren't even connected so i don't think that's how repelling works <laughs> i think she's just <laughs> in free fall um but uh then uh all of the random umbrella goons are in their full black motorcycle helmets uh that <laughs> do the goggles they do nothing <laughs> they, get, they get killed uh, by the like the lightest of like grabs and one, twists one guy gets uh, ki- like she she basically while running down the stairs and i guess like the force of her running down yeah, this building yeah. probably adds something but she basically just kicks him in the head and it kills him yeah while he's wearing a full motorcycle helmet and it's kind of like they what? are porcelain dolls for soldiers every <laughs> right. one of them is is so fragile uh, not um, a single one of these helmets stops them from, from yeah. like their neck getting snapped a knife getting stabbed through it. it it just it's umbrella really did not invest in the helmet budget. she absolutely throws one of those knives and it like curves in midair because it like she throws it downward and then it swoops up and gets she, the guy like in the gullet like, yeah i mean she does a weird like she puts a spin on it when she throws it so that i mean it's it's meant to be intentional that she's curving it but it is completely like insane to imagine doing in a life and death situation where you're fighting for your life to be like i'm gonna 
fucking spin this shit. Just <laughs> <laughs> like this, a f- yeah. really badass. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> uh. They all board the helicopter, or most of them anyway. Kill everyone on board except for the pilot. And that's when we get a secret reveal. Mila Jovovich, who has killed hundreds of zombies and people in this movie and has like insane, like supernatural sense about her awareness uh, surroundings has been snuck up on by Bluetooth CEO (laughs) (laughs) who has a gun to Angie's head and is like, Oh, you think we weren't going to, we think we're going to let you get out of here. Um, and that's because in an earlier scene... <laughs> I'll nuke you. He, I'll nuke all of you. <laughs> <laughs> in an earlier scene, he caught Angie's dad... Hackerman. on the phone, Hackerman on the phone with them, and he said, <laughs> you know what? Computers are so unreliable. And then closes the Sony Vio laptop just to get the <laughs> brand right in center screen, where it's like, what are they fucking saying about Sony Vio? He's like, just like people. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, and uh i mean those laptops are trash so yeah yeah. speaky truth to power stylish though stylish i always wanted one all right alex you want you want to take us home through the big finale here you want to oh my take over like from this point all i remember is like the big ceo's master plan being uh to have mila jovovich box his nemesis monster uh bare knuckle style uh he he's just like i want to see what you guys can do and and it's really just like the most obvious setup to have mila jovovich fight a big monster hand to hand uh with no stakes i guess um except <laughs> well, there are stakes I, oh no, no stakes. like the I one think... that goes through his heart uh when she kicks him onto it several times yeah. and then keeps punching him and then suddenly mid punch realizing it's my friend dane cook from the first one <laughs> uh yeah, um, I, I definitely don't think there's not stakes to the fight. Like, I believe that both of these characters, her being a superpowered human and this monster that could crush someone's skull with its hand, probably Terminator like, made of flesh. Yeah, I, I think that is possible. Um, but but what unfortunately hurts selling this scene is the what you described right from the beginning of the podcast. Every time an elbow or fist hits, there is a cut and we're in a new angle and there's like way too much motion blur and lens, not, not lens flaring, but what's the like, like bloom lighting where they like just right. yeah. anything white and, suddenly and like ramping spikes. of the speed to a degree where yeah. nothing is readable here. Right. Um, I got that at one point the nemesis pulls a bit of rebar or something out of, out of the wall it uses it to fight Mila, to which the CEO is like, oh, well, that's not fair. And just like does Assassin's Creed some batons out of his suit <laughs> sleeves and then hands them to her. Uh, like, <laughs> which when you think about it, this monster wielding like like welded rebar versus batons. Uh, I, I know what the clear winner is, but I guess she's going to cross them and block his his hits uh more often than not but yeah the point the point was this ends with her realizing it's dane cook uh and then dane cook nemesis realizing it's her and being like i'm a good guy now just in time to like (laughs) blow up some helicopters uh god and then like the the rest of this is still escaping me now uh, let's say all the while because there is a ticking clock on this 
that they oh yeah i forgot about the missile hovering just outside the city lines what do you you mean you forgot about it you literally referenced it like two minutes ago when you said the ceo said i'll nuke you i'll nuke you all there is literally i'll nuke you i'll nuke you good i don't know how my brain works sometimes yeah there's a missile just like hovering outside of city lines because that's how missiles work they wait patiently for everyone to finish their fist fights not that they literally show it hovering like it's not like that but that we see the missile flying through the air in multiple cuts. At one point, it passes through two buildings. So we know it's within like a couple miles of well, this it target. It literally goes over the quarantine wall in one shot. Yes. So you're like, yeah. you know that like the time for it to like enter city limits to reach its destination would be measured in seconds. Yes. Right. Absolutely. And the time between that shot and when the nuke goes off is about. 22 minutes yeah <laughs> it's the remainder of the movie yeah because that it's they show ridiculous. that shot like before the nemesis fight yeah there's just no tracking of that missile at all during this sequence and then yeah they have this huge fight they have another shootout because olivier like you know breaks his binds and starts to fight his way onto the <laughs> olivier not olivier but <laughs> whatever lawrence olivier is jumps lawrence into the of scene Arabia shows yeah. up and <laughs> uh there's a there's a scene where after um ceo guy tells all of his people to kill her basically mila jovovich's character alice's shoot on sight um she gets cornered by three dudes and she just has a pistol she does this move where she drops the pistol, and yeah, then, well, like, because Matrix... they tell her, they're like, "Drop it, like fucking stormtroopers." Like... Right. She does so and does like a Matrix move where she like grabs it before it hits the ground and kills all three of them. And it's like he just yeah. told you to shoot her on sight. You yeah. didn't have to take her in. Like, just... <sighs> anyway, um, there's more fights. They escape in a helicopter. They leave the CEO on the ground to get eaten by zombies, and wouldn't you know it, he spends his last bullet doming one of them so he can't kill himself before he's much to death uh by hacker man by hacker man zombie yeah yeah uh, yeah which he killed mr hacker man uh at the beginning before the right, fight we forgot he's... to mention that because it was not important at all yeah. um, <laughs> it, it made all it did was set up hacker man zombie and that's fine right it made angela yeah. very upset for a moment and and that was kind of it uh i don't think she ever is mourning over her father for the rest of the film um and then uh, the the explosion causes shrapnel to hit Alice. Not even dead shrapnel. center. No, Not it is, even it is, shrapnel. It is loose cargo. It's I think it's 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 part of the plane or it's the, part of the, the plane helicopter. The helicopter. It's part the, of the, the helicopter Falcon from Halo. Yeah. Um, that. Oh, let me let me let me let me take. Okay, me, go for it. Let me talk some. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's part of part of the helicopter. It, like comes loose. Like like it's rivets. Like come undone and the force of the shockwave and then it spins through the air in slow motion towards angie and alice sees this and blocks it with her body which then you know impales her seemingly (laughs) killing her but we don't know because it uh, then again does the very jumpy jarring jump shots from like you know nuke goes off helicopter gets hit helicopter goes down it's then like flashing sequences of like a forest or a tree line or something and then they go in and then time jump forward like what a couple days she's found by jorah mormont of game of thrones (laughs) yes yes ian glenn has uh no shame in the the video game film projects he chooses (laughs) it's true between this and second appearance on this podcast yeah 
Man. We should have a running tally of like reoccurring. Yeah, actors. that would be really Cause, fun. Because Neil McDonough is gonna like he's gonna yes. put yeah. some tallies up on that board. Yeah, who has done the most video game movies would be a I really feel like fun. Carl Urban's in a lot. Must be in a lot of these. Just because Carl Urban likes doing, nerdy I don't know. Shit. His, uh, he he's he in does Doom, do nerdy shit, know. but his career is pretty solid. Like, yeah, it's pretty think, solid. Yeah, but I, I'd imagine he'd turn up more often than not in some of like yeah, his earlier. Yeah, ones, I mean, might maybe. surprise us. I don't know. Yeah. That'd be my Defini- guess. If I had to pick Doom, one actor yeah. who might end up having yeah. the most video without knowing anything, right? Just uh, <laughs> just a pluck out of the air. Right. Yeah. So keep going, Dylan. Where where do we end up here? Um. So they like at some point grabbed Ada Wong's, not Ada Wong's, uh, un Ada Wong's uh, camcorder, and they have all this footage. And Oliviera and Jill Valentine are like, "We're gonna we're gonna blow this thing wide open. They're gonna try to cover up. We're gonna we're gonna do that." And you get like a montage of of news reels of like, "Oh, this footage has been released. It like it exposes everything. Like what the Umbrella Corporation is." And then somehow the umbrella corporation does a phenomenal PR job and convinces the entire world that that footage is fake. That's the most realistic thing about this movie. (laughs) I suppose so. Uh, (laughs) They put, they put a, they played some uh, licensed music over top of it and had it content ID (laughs) pulled down. Also not Ada Wong. It's Terry Dylan. Terry. That's what I'm saying. Show some respect. Well, she got eaten uh, by children. Yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe she should should have known better. <laughs> should have yeah. brought a gun to that school. There is no Kids, so oh many God, of these characters. God. Yeah. <laughs> All it takes is a good guy with a gun. Oh, stop, you guys! <laughs> I'm so this sorry, is, everyone. This is the line for me. This okay. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. We can move it. on from that joke. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um. So, despite the fact that there's there's all this recorded evidence of the Umbrella Corporation's uh, vile uh, uh, tricks and destruction of Raccoon City, they somehow convinced the world that that was not the case. That was a reactor meltdown, et cetera, et cetera. We then get a cut to Alice once again being kept in like a back to tank. <laughs> free floating in some healing liquid and yes sir jorah mormont ian glenn shows up and tells them to release her because she is fully healed now or whatever uh she is suffering from like big brain delusions or like like total amnesia like <laughs> big brain delusions <laughs> I, I, can't I can't think of the word I love, I, uh, i'm afraid it's big brain delusions it's, <laughs> it, can't, it can't be we can't do anything about it it's terminal as as much as a scientific term as as she's learning geometrically now um <laughs> it's fair yeah uh and, and like jara has to mansplain her what a pen is uh, for a moment before all of her memories come <laughs> rushing back it they've gone way too far with it where it's like can you say pen p- p- <laughs> p- pen and like, it's like you could probably have gone somewhere in between that level and yeah yeah uh and so she's like gonna kill everybody well or well let's explain yeah, that well, yeah, yeah, yeah you go let's, ahead so yeah so she learns how to say the word pen and then they ask her what her name is and like yeah she's like we're getting this strobing effect all these flashbacks of everything that happened in this movie in the prior movie mm-hmm. every single smash cut from the previous hour all at once so they they show this shot 
that for most of the movie, it is this flashback of when she is basically hospitalized between the first and the second movie, and it shows Jared Harris's character and another character who we are always led to assume is the CEO dude. Like, okay, these two are working together to bring Alice back or experiment on her and improve her. And then... And, and and the shot's kind of always out of focus, but you're you're led to make that assumption. And then it becomes more in focus here, and we realize it's Jared Harris and Ian Glenn, Sir Jorah Marmont, are the two scientists mm-hmm. that work together to uh, experiment on Alice. So she realizes that and goes guns blazing. Or no, she takes the pen and like threatens to stab a guy, and then instead elbows him, which takes the. I- uh, what a weird choice to be like, right. I could stab you in the eye with this ballpoint, but instead I'm just going to break your jaw with my elbow. She goes from being the least lethal in this scene to the most lethal because everyone <laughs> yeah. in the hospital room, she either beats unconscious or like throws, like she throws Ian Glenn into like glass and knocks him out. And then she goes walking down the hallways in her like hospital gown like towel and there's a guy watching her on the security footage and she just looks up at the camera and just smiles and then he just starts bleeding out of his nose and eyes And not only that but she's like she looks up to the camera he's got cameras all over the facility but they all start showing her face because she is able to through some psychic power manipulate the displays to all point to this camera and start giving him some kind of fucking lethal aneurysm. <laughs> First she was just like bioengineered super soldier. Now she's also psychic. Uh, she's she's Lucy from the film Lucy starring yes. Scarlett Johansson. Right. Yes. And then what? We, we get like a few scenes later. Uh, she's got like bionic vision. So also she's a robot. Yes. Yes. This, yes. This is Paul Anderson's quest to create the most Mary Sue anyone so, has ever created. The perfect my woman. Sus- yeah. My suspicion <laughs> is the bionic vision piece is not her vision. It is that they have replaced one of her eyes. We see literally her whole pupil flashes an umbrella logo. Um, I think they've replaced one of her eyes with a camera so that they okay. can monitor her from afar. It's because not her pupil, Nick. It's her iris. It's the whole thing because <laughs> the iris does turn into the umbrella logo i don't know if we mentioned that well yeah. he just said it nick just oh, said it. he did okay sorry and then i got corrected because it wasn't the pupil it was the iris it's not a pupil pupil's the black part the <laughs> iris know, is the colored I, part but i did think it was the whole thing so uh, both it wasn't the sclera okay we all know parts of yeah, eyes yeah, we're all yeah, smart yeah, right. yeah we all have the best <laughs> eye words yeah <laughs> this is what tears our podcast apart yeah. is the being point is pedantic about this <laughs> the point is paul understands subtlety on a level hitherto <laughs> unseen <laughs> um they uh they get in the car they let her go because ian glenn knows that he's got the camera on her but the um the people who help her get away are lj oliviera jill and surprise the little kid who came on the secret mission to rescue her is just also there in the trunk like fucking chim chim from speed racer (laughs) (laughs) yeah and they all show up in like black tactical gear and they're all wearing umbrella logos which makes it seem like they have been umbrella operatives this entire time or signed on after the fact right or something mm-hmm. and then and then angie shows up in the back and she's just wearing like right. her school just like regular just clothes yeah like why bring the child along on the dangerous rescue mission also also 
how the fuck did they know to show up when they showed up? Because they literally, she has just broken out violently, killed a guy with her psychic powers, gets to the front door, gets surrounded by gunmen, and then they pull up in a car at that very moment and say, oh, we're level six security. We're taking her with us. And she gets in the car with them and leaves. Like, and it's like, it's clear like their whole plan was to pretend to be umbrella folks and and swoop in or maybe they are umbrella folks right that's like that's they not don't so clear. Make that clear yeah but one one of those two things is what i'm saying mila's power this whole time is just a sense of timing <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> the power um, of plot convenience so it's wild to me that you said that angie doesn't come back because right for her to be in that scene and not come back is crazy but also she's like like there's so much emphasis put on this sort of almost mother daughter relationship of her, like Mila Jovovich hugging and caring for her in this movie. With no, for no reason with no setup. Yeah. Like, no, no, yeah. like I don't feel that connection, but it's shown to us, right? Like, like it, you could probably tell to some degree, this was Anderson trying to emulate that thing from aliens. Maybe. Yeah. Where, where, yes. You know, like the whole plot centers on Ripley losing her daughter and, yeah. and finding like a surrogate one in this Which child. We know, we know he does an aliens homage in Monster Hunter, so that's well, he right. did one here when she is like suspended in the fluid because it like oh looks like, yeah yeah. yeah. I, I mean yeah, Aliens is an influential film. It's it's hard to say how many things it has it is influenced, but for sure, Paul's a big fan. Yes, and and he tries to do a similar story here with uh zero leeway. Yeah. Um, absolutely no patience given to setting it up or paying it off or even just like building it throughout uh imagine how much better a film this could have been if she woke up in a truly apocalyptic city there were five characters total in the movie and i'm not saying it would ever be great because it was going to be garbage regardless but like if there was just like a handful of people and we got to know each one of them and one of them died in a terrible scene and it meant something, and then, you know, we get out at the end, barely escaping the bomb, right? But, like, instead, it was just, like, a garbage pail of every idea he had, <laughs> and we were forced to eat it. <laughs> like, Yeah, who would make us do that? What sick, <laughs> yeah, what vile... Sick fuck. <laughs> And then, and then, like on top of it, he's like, "Oh, oh!" And what if at the beginning and at the end they had to scan my wife's boobs? <laughs> yeah. For some reason, Umbrella, their computers are super concerned with. I mean, not for some reason; it's Paul W. S. Anderson's reasons entirely. <laughs> but they're, they're they're super concerned with 3D models of her breasts, which are shown yes. twice in the movie while she's right. under medical care. Yeah, it's just the movie begins as it ends with a with a scan of Mila Jovovich's breasts, and, and I love that there's like no information with that. Like they have taken this 3D scan, but it's not like also measuring heart rate and other things. And like you would see those <laughs> in the scan, like in a 3D representation some way. It is literally just the exterior of her body. It needed the brush metal Winamp skin with the big flashing yes. text of what this was for. Yes, should have been it. like like infection detected. Yeah. <laughs> dermatology recommendation for <laughs> small bump found on yeah oh no yeah <laughs> uh sort of in a way darker movie yeah uh, <laughs> oh yeah because the the school shooting jokes definitely didn't make it dark <laughs> i mean imagine a school shooter but that school shooter has cancer you know oh. it was just like <laughs> oh my god 
<laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, uh, that the character LJ. It's funny that the the daughter doesn't show up again, but LJ shows up in the next movie because I was looking oh, yeah. at the cast and I like clicked on that actor, Mike Epps, I believe is his name. Yes, and it showed. I, I was looking at his filmography and it showed the next Resident Evil movie, which mm-hmm. made this complaint at the end of the last movie. But the naming, the escalation of the subtitles of this film franchise. They don't make any sense. It's just difficult, right? It's like once you have one called Apocalypse, it's hard to go past that without rashing well, up the it's escalation. it's post-apocalypse. But it's called Extinction, which is what I think <laughs> happens before an apocalypse. This, this no, because no, you can have an apocalypse as the fall of society. Extinction is the elimination of a species. Uh, All okay. right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna right. to read these. Look I'm, re- I, look, I'm on board. <laughs> look, I'm going to read these titles to you. I'm, I'm going to read you. You try to tell me what you think the next one would be. Okay, so you have Resident Evil. You have Resident Evil Apocalypse. We just said Extinction. What would come after Extinction, Nick, in your uh, mind? N- new Genesis. Uh, uh, afterlife. Well, that's actually kind of what I said. <laughs> like <laughs> by by taking the meanings of those things, you could almost get there. Not quite. Sure, I'll, sure. I'll give that one to you. Yeah. What would come after afterlife? Okay. Okay. Reincarnation. Wrong. Retribution. Ah, uh, so what? That doesn't what, work. What would come after retribution? <laughs> Uh, acceptance. <laughs> <laughs> no bargaining and then acceptance. Bargaining. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. That's what I want. I want a Resident Evil series named after the stages of grief. Uh, the well, final I'm chapter. Going through them. <laughs> uh, the final chapter is what we have, which is what you have to do when you've already used all of your end of the yeah. world names. Yeah. In your film franchise. Uh, you also are correct on another account. The next one is also not Paul W.S. Anderson directed, but still written by him. Does he come back, though, towards the end of the franchise? He comes back the last for Afterlife. Three, yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, thankfully, that doesn't have to be the next movie we watch. <laughs> <laughs> what What are we watching next, uh, Dylan? Uh, next up, we are watching something that I'm sure Alex is super excited for. Um, we have, we have in our hands, the oh, in next, our hands. right here. Well, how'd you, you put it in my hands? You, <laughs> you could say, fuck? you could say you could catch it, right? You could catch yeah. them all. Do you gotta? You gotta. You gotta. I would love if this is not a Pokemon movie you're setting up. <laughs> if you're like, that's right. We're, I, we're watching uh, Digimon Battle going Kid. Back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, Pokemon colon Destiny... Deoxys. Deoxys? Oh. Deoxys? Deoxys. nucleic acid. I yeah, almost, yeah. almost said a phrase that right. Did I right. sign on for that one? You sure did. Woo! Because apparently that's your favorite Pokemon? This, uh, this Growing guy? up it was. Nice. <laughs> now I fucking hate it. Friendship with Deoxys <laughs> ended. <laughs> to be clear, I thought he was going to say this is your favorite Pokemon movie. And yeah, growing up this was my favorite. Um, it's because I loved Hoenn so much and I loved Deoxys. Uh, I'm sure now it's going to be kind of painful to revisit, but uh, we'll see. We are we are so far past my experience with the Pokemon movies. I've, really? Like, how do you even represent a virus alien Pokemon in a movie that makes it make sense to... I bet it'll be a 3D model. Oh, boy. Well... It's actually not, I think. This one's still 2D animated for the most part, no. well, if I recall. spoilers, Alex. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, my friend. God. Wow. Podcast ruined. Podcast over.